You're now listening to The Sound of Sanity. This sound will continue for the duration of the program. Hey everybody, welcome to Sound of Sanity. I am Nathan, that is Ben, that is Jake. Uh, one of us is your humble and obedient host. One of us is the preacher who's the teacher of sanity. One of us is the pastor who's a master of sanity. I'm not telling you who they are, but you can listen to literally any other episode of this show and figure it out if you want to, or you can just listen to our words and sort it out for yourself. It's a fun game you can play at home, but you do need to know what the people sound like. So whoever you are, what do you sound like? I'm like this. Yeah, I guess whoever we can say I am. We can say you're Ben. We just don't know oh, whether you're host, preacher, okay. or pastor. I'm Ben. Jake, how do you sound? Yeah, I sound like this. He sounds like that. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds like a pastor to me, but what do I know? What do I know? Well, guys, the Roe thing happened. The Dobbs thing, I should say. The Dobbs leak happened. The Dobbs leak happened. Yeah. And... It's going to be well-trod territory by the time this podcast comes out, I suppose, among many of our listeners. But what are you guys current thinking on all of that? Well, when it first happened, actually, it took several hours, which felt like a really long time when I was trying to catch up. But it took several hours for me to figure out what was going on because I was at, this is this was Monday night. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So, I mm-hmm. was at one baseball practice, but I had a bunch of kids there and we were playing a wiffle ball game for like three hours uh, with the kids. So I, I came out of all of that probably, I don't know, four or five hours, maybe more, six hours after the news broke. And so I felt like I had a lot of catch up to do, but I started texting with a friend who I, I can't say too much about him, but I can say that he's about as close He's very close to the situation, and that's why he can't say anything about it. So he and I started having a conversation just to so I could wrap my head around what's going on, what the implications are, and uh, where we actually are in the process in terms of the Supreme Court, and just wanted to sort of get my bearings. This was before the Supreme Court, Supreme Court had confirmed that he, it was authentic. That's news. right. So he was he was like, well, you've basically got. You, you have three options. You know, the way that, the, that this works is you have a vote, which basically amounts to a straw poll. And then you start to write your majority opinion and your dissent, and everybody starts to add in their remarks. And this is how you the, the court argues through any decision that's made, and people can switch sides, and nothing is final. It's a, it's a months-long process, two, three months depending on the nature of the case, and people will flip sides. And we've seen that happen even recently. And there was controversy about that, or not controversy, but it was just a thing that happened. But people switch sides. And that's a good thing because they're being dissuaded or persuaded by the arguments as they get into them and as they're writing it out and finding it out between them. And so that's where we're at. We just had the first, the vote happened, the straw poll, and the majority opinion the first draft was circulated among the judges. And so then he said, you know, this is shocking. Nothing like this has ever happened in the history of the Supreme Court, ever. And there are only three options for how this could have worked. One is an Ocean's Eleven Mission Impossible type of situation where 
there was an elaborate, highly skilled break-in. Could be a digital one. Or, or a digital one. But still a very elaborate, very difficult to crack kind of, he said, Ocean's Eleven or Mission Impossible. He meant to make a point by that. Mm-hmm. Two is some clerk that decided to torch his whole career. This position is like a lifelong or education-long goal to be a clerk to the Supreme Court. This is my whole life has led up to this moment type of a position to be in. So whoever would be in the position to do that, it's really unlikely. This is him talking, not me, because I I had a different perspective on it even at the time. But what he said was, it's just like, it's unthinkable to me that somebody would actually get to be in the position of a Supreme Court clerk, clerk to a Supreme Court justice, and then decide to do this and tank their career. Occam's razor, the more simple solution is that this is a forgery for political purposes. Any number of lawyers could do that and it could be relatively low stakes and could be more easily anonymized, whatever, whatever, whatever. But it could be any, it could be any of those three and we don't really know because none of this has ever happened. And as he explained those sorts of things and you just sort of saw the New York Times and Politico and everybody else jumping on it, I thought... And there is no way that some clerk who does this is actually torching his career. There's mm-hmm. no way. This is not how this works. This, is, this dude is a sacrificial hero of the left for falling on his sword. And he's going to have the book deals and the movie deal. And it doesn't matter if he does prison time for it. There are people in powerful places to get him out. Like, it just doesn't matter. Like, he's going to be okay or she's going to be okay. Like. This was all strategic. Well, I just thought the thing that I thought is this presupposes that someone wouldn't be willing to die or destroy their career in service of Moloch. Of in service of Moloch. And all I have to do is watch a Peter Jackson movie to see all those those orcs go flying off of cliffs and stuff as they throw themselves forward. I, I just don't Yeah. I, I think someone would be willing to torch their career. Mm-hmm. I mean, our friend makes a good point, which is someone that unstable making it that far is something. But yeah, yeah, but, but what, it's like the, baked into the system now, right? To be the to be that leftist sacrificial hero, it's like I I don't know what I mean by baked in, but it's like yeah, it's well, and there are protections, and so there's any number of like if you look at it from a scenario standpoint, anyone from a, a Clinton or some leftist party insider can come to somebody like that and say, hey, hey, we got your back, you don't have to worry, and and you wouldn't, you wouldn't have to worry, right? To, just from the outset. But you could also be in that position because the apparatus is so oriented from the media and the uh, political structures that be. You could just throw yourself on that grenade and count on being able to leverage your way out of it mm-hmm. without any promises beforehand, I think. But the point that he was trying to make, I'm not trying to, is just like that's how unshocking and unthinkable mm-hmm. this whole scenario is unprecedented, shocking, unthinkable, unconscionable. And the real point is that for somebody to have gone this far, it's just insane. It's all insane. What has since happened is I think Justice Roberts confirmed that it was a legitimate leak. And so then the question becomes, why? What's the point? What's the purpose? And point and the purpose obviously is politics. 
And so we've got two months or three months or whatever. And you can think about it from any number of angles. The The key one to think about it from, I think, and I'm not trying to be a political expert here. I'm just a pastor in Evansville, Indiana. But you, what you really have in front of us are the 2022 midterm elections coming up. And so this is time for everybody to rally around being a one-issue voter, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. We are... This is while Democrats and the left and President Biden's approval rating finally rose to the level of the lowest it ever was for Donald Trump recently. The Democrats are set up to just bleed out in the upcoming midterms. And they were also set up to lose the 2020 presidential election going into the summer of 2020. But between the pandemic and the riots and Antifa and Black Lives Matter, and all of America burning, enough of America, and any other amounts of corruption in the electoral process, but enough of America was just willing to say, okay, fine, we accept your terms, we understand you will hold us hostage, we will give you what you want if you stop burning our country down. And I think that's a big part of the play here going into the midterms, and also just There are going to be states, California, and I think Connecticut, setting themselves up to be sanctuary states Mm -hmm. for abortion. So Connecticut, I think, was first, but California is trying to one-up them and offer to pay for your procedure and your travel and your stay to the state of California where you can have your abortion all covered by the taxpayers of California who in God's kindness, have all moved to Texas mm-hmm. <laughs> and Florida and will continue to do that as California continues to tank itself. But these are, so you, you've got state legislatures in these democratic states now being proactive. It appears everybody thought, knew that the way this case was going to turn out was that Roe was going to be overturned, but now we have a sort of shock and LA is burning again and Riots and things are happening in the streets already in the first 24 to 48 hours of this stuff. Mm-hmm. So that's just what it's, I think, about. They want to see the world burn and they want Moloch to be appeased and they want to double down on us. And so you, you're also seeing, too, uh, in this process, what in the first 24 to 48 hours, what we threw up in our Discord think piece at the New Yorker about abolishing the Supreme Court. Mm-hmm. Uh, think piece at New Republic about ab- abolishing the Electoral College. They want to overthrow the foundations of our republic and anything that stands in the way of totalitarian leftist power. Mm-hmm. I love the way they frame it, though, because they always frame it like, well, maybe these institutions just don't work. By which yeah. they mean, maybe these institutions don't just bow the knee to ev- absolutely everything that we want all the time, <laughs> but they don't say that. <laughs> they yeah, say like, well, yeah, maybe yeah. there's a flaw in the way that the Supreme Court uh, does. And therefore, we need to get rid of the Supreme right. Court. And the Electoral College. And the Electoral College. Just everything. Anything. Everything. In the, name of, in the name of democracy, because they have these ridiculous stats, like 70% of people want abortion. But yeah, like, right. Yeah, no. You can't believe a single poll or a single thing that they say about any of that stuff. What they want is for New York and Washington, D.C. and L.A. and Seattle, maybe, and Chicago to control the entire country. Mm -hmm. And that's why you want to get rid of the Electoral College and the Supreme Court stands in the way of 
getting whatever you want. Get rid of it. And there have been workarounds now for decades around all kinds of things, like the wars that we engage in and everything else. So why not workarounds around the legislation? Supreme Court's a dinosaur that keeps getting in the way. Mm-hmm. And the Electoral College is a dinosaur that by protecting Indiana and Wyoming and Colorado and maybe not Colorado, but... It's like, really? Colorado? Uh, <laughs> wow. I, I just, I my mind went to the plains where there's nobody, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Wyoming, <laughs> Idaho, Kentucky, Tennessee, by protecting these states and their will in the presidential election process, it just thwarts the New Yorkers and the the people from the good district of Columbia and Bostonians and you know whoever else, Philadelphians from ruling us all mm-hmm. with their superior wisdom. Mm. Yeah. Then yeah, I mean I But it's know. their cities that are burning. Mm-hmm. And it's their cities that everyone is leaving. And so They haven't ever actually been able to mass their all their stormtroopers, Antifa, and send them to Evansville quite yet. Nope. Nope. They can, they can only kind of, it's the, the snake can eat its tail. It's fascinating. I saw that stupid movie, The Northman, which I don't recommend. You can listen to the Sanity at the Movies podcast where I talk briefly about that. I, I've been thinking about old school paganism, Norse paganism, Mayan paganism, Aztec paganism, blood sacrifice. And it's just like, if you think there's any difference between that and this, I hope you woke up. I mean, I hope you saw the footage of the DC protests where a woman has her belly exposed and she has red blood handprints on her belly and she has war paint on her face and she's screaming about her desire to kill babies. Yeah, and it, then you read this, these quotes in these articles that are uh, so shameless and unironic from these women on these, in these frontline protests saying, when we when I got the news that Roe v. Wade was going to be overturned, it felt like someone had died. Mm-hmm. It's like w- women standing outside of it abortion. It felt like someone died. I, I'm sure you saw the one that was no like the had the the, the the text in the thing was like woman outside of abortion uh, clinic uh, protesting in favor of Roe feels gutless, gutted, and, uh, gutted, 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 and it's and it's so it's just, you yeah. can't make this up. Yeah, it's just. It was, it's, it's, it's crazy. It's, it's gross. Then you have, you have Christians like Tim Keller throwing water on the whole. Not just oh, water, I love, I love it. I love that Tim Keller. It's incredible. Decided to go to out on that limb right before <laughs> this happened. I think it's hilarious. Oh, you, well, he you, deserves it. He deserves you conservatives, it. Conservatives, hypocritically, if you haven't read this, it's a, it's a tweet thread about how hypocritical conservative Christians are for trying to illegalize abortion. But you're not trying to make blasphemy illegal. Now, how is that consistent? Well, it's not, and you haven't thought about this. And, oh, oh shut derp, derp. up. Shut up. Uh, but Jake, burp, derp, derp. <laughs> I don't think <laughs> you understood my <laughs> point. Burp, derp, derp. Burp, derp, derp is about all I ever hear. Come I love it. I love mouth, him. He, he's got his, like, his tweed jacket, and he's like, come, let us reason together. And then- The world it, is burning yeah, And then you have a woman the, with red war paint. He's like, ah! <laughs> he's the dog in that- comic strip in the fire this is fine yeah yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Is, that is the perfect <laughs> tim keller meme melting <laughs> everything's melting and burning around him. yeah this it's is fine it's amazing and then the gospel coalition is like well uh this the, the fight over abortion yeah what is this going to mean for the oh fight my. over abortion Those you guys reckless shut idiots. up you guys yeah. haven't have you been part of the fight over abortion i mean no 
No, no, no. I have purposely not gone to the Gospel Coalition. I have two. I have two, and I have avoided. They have a couple articles. I've seen. I've seen KSP. I've seen her. Karen Swallow prior in our Discord, and I've avoided that too. But I think Ben was tracking it. Yeah, I finally I was, caught up on her, and it's it's. I don't want to talk about it. It's it's stupid though. I was well. It, it's just what we've been saying for ten years. Well, I put that thing in in there mm-hmm. that's like ten years old, right? Like we've been saying this stuff for literally, I don't know, as long as we've been talking, uh, and before then. So something showed up in my my timeline, or I found this. Yeah, from 2016, this tweet from the Gospel Coalition. Uh, to an article with a link to an article called How I Discovered True Masculinity. And the tweet is, it's more masculine to be attracted to men, yet obedient to God, than attracted yeah. to women and disobedient to God. And this is a kind of bullcrap they've been putting out for 10 years now. I, I should say- in, Or eight years or whatever. For in the, in the interest of fairness, I should say- They pulled that, they article. Pulled that article at the At the request report. of the author. Yeah. Which who knows what that means, but I, that did happen, so- but still, that so is the kind they, of thing they also they, published they that article. They published that article and promoted that article yeah. eight years ago or whatever. Yeah. 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 Six years ago. I don't know. I can't do math. It's. Who cares? This is who they are. This is yeah. who they've always been. It's who they, it's, it reminds me of this pastor. We, we've taken slander as a church in this community for being liberal mm-hmm. by a pastor who used to love to compare himself to Mueller. And it's like, well, we've been calling these people out f- for a decade. Mm-hmm. But he just, it's all words. It's all slander. It is all about uh, your name and your reputation and what you can do to build it. So you tow the liberal line until there's been a, a, a change in the tide. Mm-hmm. And now you have to position yourself as, as far to the right and conservative as possible. And the way you do that is you pick the actual conservatives. Mm-hmm who believe the Bible and have been saying this stuff for years and you slander them as being liberal and to the left of you. Mm-hmm. It's, it's always like, about finding the person on the other side. Blame, blame him. Yeah. And it's like, well, no, no dude, no, you know, you don't get to claim anything. You've been a coward and a wuss who's, who, who's gone along to get along this entire time. And that is all you're doing right now. Well, what other thoughts do you guys? I remember him claiming, comparing himself to Al Mohler and, and thinking, do you think that that commends you? Like, do you think? <laughs> Sorry, I this is a little uh, throwing some shade here, but only the kind of shade that's been thrown at us. Yeah, by feckless. Feckless men. is the word. It's a good word. Not feckful. <laughs> Benjamin Solzer, he's a very feckful guy. Ah, that's right. I don't know what else is there to say. I mean, I just, the, the pagan thing is on my mind, and I know it's, I'm not saying anything that our listeners haven't thought of. There's that famous uh, little etching of Moloch that always gets thrown into Twitter around these times with the baby being put in and all this kind of stuff. But, but I just think the reason that you sacrifice to Moloch is so that your harvest will be good, so that you will be favored, so that your society yep. will work. And then we have all these people saying, if we don't kill our babies, society will collapse. Things will not be good for us. Women will not have rights. Women will not have power. Women will the not have The economy will collapse. The economy will collapse. It's, it's just, it is one-to-one. We must give a blood sacrifice so that the, the gods will appease us and give us what we need over here. I mean, there's just no, no difference. It's not metaphor. It's not, it's, it's just. No, it is just one-to-one. It is just one-to-one. And it's, it's. 
I don't want to be one of those Christians who's like, it's nice to see everything laid bare. You know, it's, it's, I want everything to be as terrible as possible so that everyone nope. will... T- no, hypocrisy actually has its place. People having to conform to standards has its place, and that's what People the rule... People having to tip their hat to standards. Yeah. Uh, that's what the rule of law is for is strong the the rule of law should keep people from giving in to what they actually think (laughs) that being said it is nice to see the mask ripped off in some ways it is nice (laughs) to just see these people for the insane barbarians that they are it is i mean it's just like the battle has to be clear and Uh, that that is what was happening actually when we first sort of started getting going mm -hmm. Um, you know one of the I think more hopeful, motivating things behind some of the work that we do was when David Delayton, David Delayton, and the Center for Medical Progress, yeah, yeah, yes. had some fun kind That's of Orwellian right. name, yeah, yeah. <laughs> whatever that all those exposés of Planned Parenthood mm-hmm. that got squelched and mm-hmm. squashed and mm-hmm. covered up, and a couple people got fired, and not much came of it except David Delayton got sued mm-hmm. for being a good investigative undercover journalist. Mm-hmm just monstrous what happened and mm-hmm. how that that played out but still the virtue of everything that happened in that time was you got to see how ugly and demonic and evil it was and how pedestrian at the same time mm-hmm. this is just old school paganism we take the masks off and it's just evil people being evil worshiping their evil gods well and also old school paganism was pedestrian you don't you don't think that they didn't have janitors who had to mop up all the blood on the the aztec uh, stairwell mm-hmm. you, you don't think that people didn't have to go and pay their little tax and get their popcorn you know it, it's it's like it wasn't all like an awesome uh, cinematic cinematic blood ritual of horror and no it was covered up and there was things that you would show to kids and things that you wouldn't show to kids and things that you would make a spectacle out of and things places where you'd want the spectacle places where you would not want the spectacle ways that you had to interact with your foreign territories i just saw something about a mistake that the aztecs made when the conquistadors came i think it was the aztecs if it wasn't it was one of the other two but they were like we want to give these white men a gift and so they did a bunch of sacrifices and splattered uh, blood all over the walkway that the white men were walking into uh, as a way to wow. reach well, out and say, you yeah, compliment them. Like we did this for you. And and they were just horrified. You know? Y'all need to die. Yeah. We're, <laughs> Hey, <laughs> we're going to have to do some conquistadori here because <laughs> you guys suck. <laughs> Not that the conquistadors were good. It's possible for two different groups to be bad. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. I also just just as a mention in, in Latin America, if anyone's tracking with with what's happening there. So re, just in February, Colombia legalized abortions, mm-hmm. de- decriminalized it during the first twenty four weeks of pregnancy, which is a big deal. But you said le- oh le- yeah, I, I so got it. legalized, uh, legalized de- decriminalized. It right. was criminal before, but it, now it's not. As of this year, in Colombia, and then Mexico, same as last year, and Ecuador eased abortion restrictions. So there's, it's like the blood tide is moving. It's moving in other countries. The line is moving. Yeah. Although it was fascinating because I didn't realize this. Maybe I'm dumb and you guys knew this already. And this is just a common Christian talking point that had somehow eluded me. But the fact that we are one of four Four countries countries that that allow allow partial term all the way through. It's like us, China. Constitutionally, although state by state that differs. Sure. It's actually only a handful of our states. But- yeah, we, we, we don't are, have hardly any allies in Western Europe at all. Everybody else sees our the links that we go to to sacrifice our children as being barbaric and beyond the pale in Western civilized society. 
America, the United States is seen as on the on the edge of everybody's cool with killing the children, right? <laughs> but how many mm. and when? We we've got them all beat. Well, there is a visceral difference that you cannot deny between taking a little pill that kills a child and bringing out a viable human looking thing. I mean, I know I'm speaking evil here because both are equally evil, but yeah. there is something about watching a little baby that looks like a baby die in a bucket or on a table or taking the pieces out that just nobody can countenance except for barbarians in China, certain states in America, and I want to say Korea, and there's like one or two others, but yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. And, and meanwhile, too, you also have all the DIY abortion pill stuff. Oh, that was, that was hilarious. Isn't that like without a, without a shred of irony, you've got these like how to make your own abortion pills out of horse medicine. Right. Well, what tweet did I see? Somebody tweeted something like, it's not hypocrisy, actually, because the only goal is power. That's right. The only goal is power. So they're just saying, well, here's the thing that we do to keep the power. And here's the opposite thing that we do to keep the power. The, 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 goal, the, the game changed. And so we're moving the goalposts. And right. we should we, because we, we need the power. Right. Which is why when it comes to the conservative response, pointing out the hypocrisy of the left is an absolute impotent response mm -hmm. because they know and they don't care and they just keep pursuing power shamelessly and the response of trying to hold up some kind of standard of hypocrisy or honesty or integrity no. it, it is just impotent and and useless hey darth vader you know you're being a little bit of a tyrant and i think the galactic senate doesn't like tyrants isn't there something on the books about that <laughs> please don't blow up our planet <laughs> i thought that the whole reason you decided to step in and get rid of the Je Jedi was because they were being tyrannical. You're kind of being a hypocrite. That's just not how it works. That's how you get yourself force choked. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> You're in the way, dude. Right. And, and so here's the seven countries. Yes, seven. Okay. Yeah, except now it's eight. So uh, abortions after 20 weeks, Canada, China, Netherlands, North Korea, Singapore, United States, and Vietnam, and now Colombia up to 24 weeks. So that's eight countries. But what about 40 weeks? 40 weeks, I'm not sure. This is just the broader... I think, I think you're going to knock out three or four of those. I if think, you it's, I think we're one of four yeah. that allow up to 40 weeks. Yeah, yeah that, okay. allow, that allow partial birth abortion, that, basically. Yeah. My, wife, my wife would know if she were here. Well, speaking of your wife would know, just some things that we should let people know about. We have been, Evangel Presbytery has been working on a position paper on abortion and mm -hmm. everything from what, Ben? Everything from IVF. 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 To, but but it, it begins with a history of bloodshed in the 20th century that's a pretty compelling, very brief, like, arc showing how, how much Bloodshed has increased since mm -hmm. the start of the 20th century from the killing of civilians in wars in ways that previously would have been unimaginable under just war theory, which was practiced in some form or other by most nations, to abortions, to chemical abortions, to all the, yeah, all the things. IVF, yeah, it's quite a document. A lot in there about a, a chemical abortion, a lot that will make you see how overturning Roe is only the 
Tip of the ice. Very tip, tip of, of the ice. The very beginning the of a tip. long fight. That's right. And Christians have to be ready for, and you, our churches have to be ready. We could outlaw surgical or abortions altogether, and that would still just be the tip of the iceberg. It's just that's, the tip of the iceberg. That's what this well, look, paper and, argues. And it, and it is a simple, like, here's an example of how this has affected us here, right? Like, and how this paper has helped us here. We have pharmacists in our church, in our church plant, who are people of good conscience who were convinced from the literature and from everything else that the pill was not abortifacient. Mm-hmm. And they're wrong. They were wrong. And now they're right because we just had to teach them and help them. And they read um, a, a draft of this paper and were convinced. But this is the work that we have to be doing in all of our churches to help people understand and be ready for this sort of thing. But if you, by the way, if you want the incredibly short version of the argument, Basically, the pill and other things like it keep a fertilized egg from attaching itself to the uterine wall. That's one of the things that the w- pill One can of do. the mechanisms that, that the pill operates by, not the only mechanism, but you one You can of also the- just keep an egg from fertilizing altogether, which is what they, they front, what is that word? It's the thing that they talk about. Yeah, um, and, and they've also changed the terminology and the definition. So, they have made implant, the implantation of the fertilized egg of the child into the womb, also the definition of conception. Right. Right. And so if you have in your head, the definition of conception is when the sperm and the egg unite and form a unique person. Mm-hmm. When in the literature, they use the word conception. That's not actually what they're talking mm-hmm. about. They're talking about when that child travels down and implants on the wall. And so if they say that the pill prevents conception, mm-hmm. well, by okay. by their corrupt definition, it does, but it prevents it can prevent conception, conception, or it can prevent implantation, and it's just like this is these are all the ways that they lie, and all the ways that they hide how all of this works, and it's a convenient lie because everybody's on the pill, right? And so it's hard to talk about in your church. Well, and it's a great example of moving the gold po- goalpost because there's no compelling biological philosophical, theological, any kind of reason why we should move the definition of conception from there to there. But they just, they just did it. Yep. They just did it. They just changed it. It's too bad that we're not as concerned about loving people and saving people's souls and caring for poor mothers as we are about this political issue, isn't it? I wish I had a, yeah. a, a like a banana peel to throw <laughs> at you right now. <laughs> why would you I, say? I, I, I'm just, I'm just, I can just think of the f- the fools and idiots who say that kind of thing. I just hear their voices right now on Twitter. Even people I know. Well, in my look, family. you and I talked a little bit about the, the Gospel Coalition's stupid uh, debate series. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, and that's and that's not, of course that's that's the splash image on their front page at the top of their website is their debate on gun control. Well, which but is one of very the timely one, one of the debates that they're doing. Maybe they'll pull it now. But one of the debates that they they were going to do, and I think uh, Karen Twal Pryor is one of the debaters on this one is something like is pro life through 9 oh, months oh, oh, or is it oh, 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 or is it past right, or is right, or, yeah. or pro life past 9 months i just so it's it's working with the kind of see, I, I don't even have patience to entertain this sort of argument it is the dumbest thing of all time it just makes me angry and want to throw things because it is always christians that are on the front lines of of adoption it is always christians that are on the front lines of caring about anybody and and to even have that kind of argument or entertain it is to give away too much. It's oh, yeah. just like I just won't yeah. have that argument with you because you're that if you're that ignorant, that stupid, that full of ill intent, 
then we can't have this conversation. That's it's not right. even a conversation worth having. Mm-hmm. And so right. I immediately was just angry and annoyed that you brought up the objection. Like, why would you do that? What kind of fool, No, any fool listening to this isn't worth... I'm not bringing it up to actually have a debate about it at all. I'm no, just bringing it up. I'm just bringing it up because I f- I feel it and I hear it. That's all. I just wanted to. It is. It is I just wanted. To, it is just simple. To it's, dump on it's, it. It's one of those things that's so. It's actually kind of hard to argue with because it's just a lie, and all you can say is, "Well, actually, the opposite is true." You've presented a false dichotomy, and it's false. That's that's like the only thing that you can say. Yeah. Well, to me, it just signals y- you don't want to have the argument. You have nothing to say, and you you're not here. This is not a good faith discussion and cannot be. No. The only thing for you is repent. I'm not going to waste time on you apart from that. So, it's just stupid. Yep. Part of this conversation reminds me of, let's see if I can get back there. Because Ben, you were talking earlier about the, the the bloodshed of the 20th century. And the amazing thing about the way that the abortion conversation has changed is the degree to which the left has increasingly over the last 10, 15, 20 years owned that, yes, we know we're killing children, but still the degree to which we have to dehumanize them. Mm-hmm. And I was, I was listening to a, a conversation, uh, a podcast not too long ago with a war reporter. And the war reporter was talking about just being in the trenches. He spent like a year with a unit in Afghanistan or something like that and a year over somewhere else. Sebastian Younger, this guy? Yeah, I think that I think that was him. It's did the you book li- War. Did, huh? The book War. There's a documentary called Restrepo. If it's the same guy. Yeah, I think that is the guy. Is he also the same. same guy who did like The Perfect Storm? Yes. Yeah, yeah. So that's the guy. That's the guy. And he's talking in this interview about how you watch these these guys go into war. And you basically, you have two ways of, of dealing with your conscience when it comes to killing other people, other human beings. One is the old school way, which you definitely see in a, whether it's ancient Greece or Rome or medieval warfare, or really up until World War I in particular, and you still see it in pockets and in places, but it's the degree to which I... Uh, give honor and dignity to my opponent. We face up and square off as men and look each other in the eyes. And he's a worthy opponent. And it's a shame that I have to kill him. But we have... And so you elevate and bring honor to your opponent as a worthy opponent, or you have to denigrate him and make him subhuman. They're rats, they're cockroaches. They don't deserve to live, right? And the degree to which in order to rationalize and come to terms with your own conscience on the battlefield actually going out and killing people, you see people to this day, they have to do one or the other. Mm-hmm. So it is either a worthy opponent I'm squaring off against in a, in a fair fight, face-to-face fight. And that, that mentality being behind armies lining up across from each other and shooting, taking mm-hmm. turns firing volleys mm-hmm. to the sort of guerrilla warfare, it doesn't matter. You're an animal and I'm going to kill you like an animal. Not not just the men, but the women and the children too. You know, stupid Anakin Skywalker line, but that is mm-hmm. the way that people come into these sorts of of, of situations. Mm. And all of that being about the ways that we, I may be getting a little too far afield in our conversation here about abortion, but it connects to a lot of themes that we've talked about and opened up 
over the course of this podcast over the last several years Mm -hmm. and over at Sanity at the Movies where we've talked about the, the, the shift from John Wayne style violence, which is the first, yes, and to, into Guardians of the to Galaxy, Guardians of the Galaxy violence, mm-hmm. right? Where it is a right and a wrong, and a look each other in the eyes versus us versus them, my people versus your people, and you're not worthy to live, and we can just gleefully slaughter you, mm-hmm. right? And then also as well, the conversation about that we've had about the relationship between ritual and meaning, mm-hmm. where our movies are full of. A uh, ritual uh, devoid of meaning, mm-hmm. right? And he talks about how, and he talks about this quite specifically that all of the most meaningful things have actually been decoupled, and that's the word that he uses mm-hmm. from ritual. So everything related to death is or destruction is decoupled from ritual, where we don't have any respect for life mm-hmm. in any form or any context, whether that's in war or in the hospital or whether that's things like, this is a liberal talking, so whether it's things like deforestation, climate change, anything like that. Mm. His proposal is, let's go ahead and cut down the trees, but let's have a shaman or a priest come and say a prayer and give thanks to the earth for the trees that have been provided for these needs. Let's have ritual be present so that there is some level of gratitude and respect for whatever it is we're destroying. And let's bring that back to war and let's bring that back to the hospital room and let's bring that back to funerals, right? Where our, our funerals are not funerals anymore. They're celebrations of, of life and we cremate the bodies and we've removed ritual that shows any kind of respect or honor for life and for death or for marriage and sex and anything else that actually, that actually matters. Mm. And so, I guess it feels like I've taken us off on a tangent a little bit, but the reality is there is no ceremony even around the murder of these these children. Mm-hmm. They're just murdered and flushed down the toilet. It's interesting to think whether they've tried the first tactic, and if so, whether there was anything there for them. In other words, there there actually is a way to say, these are our honored dead. There There is a way to say, this is a safe, legal, and rare thing that I'm doing one, one is dying that another may thrive. I have seen that kind of argument before, certainly in more hoity-toity philosophical uh, realms where they, they can't quite, the, or they don't wish to quite get around the fact that a human being is, is dying. Well, it makes you wonder, actually, it makes me wonder just now if ancient Moloch worship was more restrained in its bloodlust and bloodshed than modern Moloch worship. I, I think the answer off the top of my head is they had both, and it would depend on who was like. For example, if you just capture the other tribe and they're dehumanized, then you rip you, their, just, you rip their guts out, yeah. and they're not they're they're animals, they're barbarians. If you are sacrificing your son, putting him in the arms of Moloch, literally letting because you need a good harvest or or whatever it is. I mean, you're reminding me of the Bizarro episode in Second Kings, I think, where the the compromised northern kingdom is fighting one of the pagan kings of maybe Aram or I'm sorry I can't Mm -hmm. remember and the dude Israel's winning and then the dude sacrifices his son and Israel starts losing and they have to retreat Mm -hmm. and it's like a clutch moment where it's like well I have to sacrifice my son now or we're all gonna die and he does it so it's it just seems very measured. It's it's a bizarre, unexplained. I think those kinds of things exist. I think that the attitude that we're used to seeing portrayed, whether realistically or not, that the Native American would have towards the buffalo. Thank you for giving your 
right. your life that we may all be sustained. I, I think that sort of thing actually does exist with human sacrifice and has. It's interesting to speculate or to talk about the degree to which it exists in our current regime. of. The reason I brought it up is because Ben was talking about the ab- abortion paper setting the context of the wanton bloodshed of the mm-hmm. 20th century. This reporter was talking about how basically World War One. Actually, I don't remember if he was talking about it or not, or if I made this connection myself. I assume that he was talking about it, but it doesn't matter. I think it's true in either case. World War One is the tipping point, mm-hmm. right? Where you you had in, in, in old school warfare, people lining up across from each other, and there was a sort of like gentleman at arms approach to warfare that just changed when you introduced the the Gatling gun, the machine gun, the tank. Poison gas. The poison gas, chemical warfare. All the way up from World War, War One into World War Two, and then the atom bomb, indiscriminate, and it's targeting. And 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 I was also just listening to this um, really f- fascinating episode of a show. It was the first one I'd ever ever listened to. But he was talking. Uh, he was interviewing a guy about just everything that's happened in the Middle East and in Russia and the Ukraine over the last thirty years. But he begins this is Jocko Willink, uh, Navy SEAL ex-Navy SEAL fought in Iraq and Ramadi talking about how the decision to engage in war is the decision always that you are okay with the deaths of innocent women, children, and civilians. There is no such thing as war without that. And every time you decide to go into war or to engage in war, you're deciding that women and children and innocent civilians will die and suffer atrocities, period, end of discussion. And there is no such thing as war without that. There never has been, there never will be. Which is it's not a newsflash to anybody. Mm-hmm. Actually, the way he put it was more stark than that. I wish I could recreate it. But, but just you see the, the dehumanization of, and the devaluation of life over the course of the 20th century. It is sickening. Makes you want to focus on the things you can actually control and influence. Makes you want to focus on building your local church and building God's kingdom and praying for the spread of his kingdom in other countries. Just Yeah, you can you can read about this stuff and get sick to the stomach at everything that's going on in the world and that mm-hmm. has gone in the world and everything that you can't do anything about or change. And you can feel really good about feeling really bad mm-hmm. about all that stuff. And the reality is, you're a husband, you're a father, you're a wife, you're a mother, you're a church member, you're a pastor, you're an elder, you're a deacon, you aspire to be, you're a Titus II woman. There are people that need you. Starting at home with your own family, starting mm-hmm. with your church, starting with your community. People that, that you can't have influence over. Right. And places where light can be shown. Yes. And truth and yeah. goodness and life and the goodness of God's word and the beauty of what Jesus has done for us and is doing for us and will do for us is proclaimed and shown in our love for each other Mm -hmm. and our love for God's enemies. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, as we conclude this episode, a couple things we're going to plug, of course, our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash sound of sanity, support this podcast, be part of our discord, be part of the discussions that lead to these episodes. There's actually something else that we'd like to plug though. Ben, I'll let you take the, do the honors. Sure. There's an organization called Passion Life that does a lot to train church leaders and churches in 
in other countries with a lot of abortion to understand what the Bible teaches about the value of human life, what it means to shed innocent blood, what it means to kill babies, and how that can be forgiven, and then your responsibility to be a witness and to help. So, it's, it's, it's a movement very much focused on like, this pastor can be trained in this and take this back and then help his own people. It's very focused on like local action. It's a cool organization, Passion Life, passionlife.org. You can see the kind of stuff that they do. You can, you can support their work or pray for their work. If you're thinking about that kind of thing, they are active in places like Colombia and China and Vietnam and Cuba, where there's a ton of abortions, which for all the horror of abortions in the United States, according to their statistics, and I don't know if their statistics include chemical abortions, I'm actually not clear on that, but according to their statistics, America is 3% of abortions worldwide. The other 97% is in places like China and Cuba, Vietnam, and now Colombia, which, like I said, recently decriminalized abortion. And so, anyway, there's, there's stuff like that too, even though, to reiterate what Jake said, you're where you are. <laughs> you want to have a local impact. You want to love people and be a witness. But there's stuff going on missions-wise, globally-wise too, that's, that is encouraging. Yeah, and full disclosure, my wife works for Passion Life, and my father-in-law founded it. So, I know, of, I, know, I know of it because I married her. One other thing that maybe we should plug, I hope it's not too early to plug this because we haven't actually begun any work on it, but we have been talking even before this situation for the past, what, month, two months, a couple months now, about the possibility of bringing back the world we made yes. for a new season yeah. focused on these issues exactly. And so it seems like we'd been talking about it. We'd been working, we'd been doing some writing. Ben and Nathan had been doing some writing in addition to the abortion paper, just on things like IVF and stuff like that, mm -hmm. where we wanted mm -hmm. to give a more in-depth. And we were considering what is an episode of Sound of Sanity. Is this, what do we, how do we want to, and I think we had sort of settled or move, been moving in the direction of now we can, we could do a world we made a, a season yeah. out, of, out of this. Mm -hmm. Looks like, in God's timing, uh, the time is in fact right for that. So, yep, yep. Be uh, really no other details to share on that right now, but th that is something we're working on and excited about. Yeah. And I'm excited about the end of the show. So, <laughs> <laughs> I liked it while it was going. I'm glad it's coming to an end because everything, uh, what is it that uh, Star Wars Episode Nine trailer said? All, uh, all good things come to an end. I'm sure that's not what it said. Everything that begins has an end or something. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> glad we could end on a nice sober note. Until next time. Stay sane.